Welcome everyone to Space Talk. First off, happy 30th episode here on the Colin app of Space Talk.、Um, thank you so much for joining this episode. And also, thank you to all of Space Talk subscribers.、Uh, I meant to give this shout out、um, when we hit our 100 subscribers, but we're already at 111. So, thank you guys so, so much for being here,、um, for joining the space community, and for just Yeah, always asking questions about what is in our sky. I think that that is a continued question of humanity that will probably continue to always be addressed. So, happy February 2nd.、Um, I hope wherever you are listening, I hope that you are toasty and warm and healthy and safe. It is snowing in most of the United States right now.、Uh, I know that I'm down in Texas and we are getting an ice storm at the moment. It also was the nor'easter that was going through my home of New York City. So I know that that's been, that's been fluctuating a lot as far as、uh, where the snow is hitting next.、Um, I am not a meteorologist or air sea physicist, but I have a friend who is, and her name is Sam or Dr. Air Sea Sam on Instagram. You should check out her stuff sometime if you're ever interested to learn a little bit about air sea physics. She just got her PhD and is doing some incredible research.、Um, I should actually bring her on the show now that I think about it. I'm going to shoot her a message after this. So, anyway,、um, If you are, have just、um, tuned into the previous episode of this week, which was on January 31st, we went over everything that you could catch in the night sky for the first week of February. And、um, as usual, we tend to do these other recurring series of how are space objects named, which is what this episode is all about. And we're going to be taking a look at galaxies. Now, in the beginning of this、uh, episode of my notes I prepared,、um, I kind of like redirect everyone back to episode 17, Historical Figures for Charles Messier. If you have not listened to that episode、um, and you're listening to the recording of this one, I recommend going back and listening to that episode first, episode 17, Historical Figures about Charles Messier. It is an episode that would be very helpful to understand a little bit about what we're talking about today. Because we delve in a little bit deeper in that episode on the, it, within the life of this astronomer and then also his、uh, catalog that he published, which is what involves the names of galaxies for this episode. So I recommend going back to that one, checking that one out, and then coming back and listening to this episode. All right. If、uh, that was you, welcome back.、Um, awesome. Happy that you are here to learn all about how space objects are named. Now, most space objects we've talked about so far have been constellations,、um, planets, and comets. And for the constellations and the planets, it was tied very deeply to Greek mythology. That's、uh, because a lot of the very first records of these objects were recorded during、um, the time of, of、um, ancient Greece. And so, because of this,、uh, a lot of the inspiration. Of the storytelling of the different constellations and the names of these planets were named after gods because they thought at the time that these were finite points in our night sky and、um, eventually figured out that these are not just stars but they are planets and、uh, they have moons just like we do. So, but this is going to be a little bit different. So, galaxies have a little bit more of a technical approach. It's、uh, pretty straightforward. I could easily just say, oh, galaxies get their names from, you know, whatever numerical、uh, value was 
was next after the last galaxy that was that was discovered, um, and that would typically be the day. This is true for modern galaxies. Um, they're usually cataloged in two different kinds of catalogs that are newer, which we'll get to in a in a little bit. One of them is called the New General Catalog. Um, but some of the galaxies, like you already know about the Milky Way, I would assume, which is the galaxy we live in, or the Andromeda Galaxy, or the Whirlpool Galaxy, these have really cool names. So why do some of them get that and some don't? So most of the time, it is up to the International Astronomical Union who decides these names. And also most of the time, it is they do receive a catalog name, which usually starts either with the letter M for Messier, and then followed by a number. And that goes way back to 1774, the year 1774, which was the year that the Messier catalog was published. It has about 110 astronomical objects. Actually, it has exactly 110 astronomical objects that were cataloged by the French astronomer Charles Messier. And in this catalog, um, there also were other contributions of a few other astronomers who ended up uh, contributing to the catalog as well. Charles Messier discovered a total of 40 nebulae and 13 comets. A nebulae or nebula is a singular version of nebulae, which is the plural. Uh, Some people also say nebulas. It's fine. Uh, Either way, I've I've read it both ways. Uh, A nebula is an interstellar molecular cloud of dust and gas with very basic elements, hydrogen, helium, uh, and these are the proper elements to seed new star life. What tends to happen in a lot of these clouds is you can start to have a, a big like combination of different material, different matter that maybe starts to collide and starts to become denser kind of like a dust bunny in your room. If you, you know, notice that in the corner that's starting to sort of uh, coalesce, this can happen with interstellar dust and, um, and, and gas. And when it gets hot enough, it then can start to condense more, becoming denser, becoming filled with more mass that eventually reaches a point where it is getting so um, hot that it will start to collapse the elements are starting to get pushed together. It's starting to draw in more gas because of it's now starting to have a gravitational effect on things around it. It's starting to have a stronger gravitational pull. More matter starts to come in, starts to collect, and eventually it collapses. And then a star can form at this point. I have a star forms. It starts to spin really fast. And when it starts to spin, it starts to attract nearby dust and gas heads creating more mass around it in something called an accretion disk. And um, eventually, long term, you know, after after uh, several millions of years, eventually, uh, possibly a solar system can form if it's under the right conditions. If the accretion disk is able to survive with enough, um, with like enough uh, areas around it that start to collide and condense and form planets. But Anyway, let's get past that. Point is, that can happen, and then we can end up having a modern-day solar system like what we have today. These are what nebulae are, and a lot of them are stellar nurseries. A lot of stars can form, as we just talked about. And back then, they thought that 
when they saw the Andromeda galaxy, when they saw other galaxies, they thought that they were just nebulae. It wasn't understood yet that there could could possibly be more galaxies than the one we live in. Um, that everything else is just sort of like the uh, outer regi- re- reaches of our universe, and that's all that there is. Uh, but this ended up obviously changing. We understand that the Andromeda Galaxy is actually a galaxy, not a nebula, and that the Whirlpool Galaxy is actually two galaxies that are colliding on a collision course to merge and become one massive one. And this sort of changed the game for how galaxies are understood. This being said, a lot of the messier objects in the messier catalog out of the 110 astronomical objects, some of them that were named nebulae later, you know, it, got, it, was, it was understood that they actually were galaxies. This is from several different things. Better equipment, sharper technology, sharper op- optics, the Hubble Space Telescope t- taking images. We now have proof that these are galaxies. And so they kept their catalog name of M. 51, for instance, which is the Whirlpool Galaxy, or M81, which is the galaxy that has that the first image of a black hole ever taken, came from that that galaxy, the nucleus, the center part. They kept their catalog name, but then eventually the Astronomical Union, depending on how these galaxies looked, adopted a new name for some of them, which are these more mainstream names we heard of, like Andromeda and Whirlpool, etc. There's so many more. So with that being said, um, they ended up getting, you know, a few extra names and this still happens. So if you discover a galaxy today, what happens? Do you get to name it? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, unfortunately, you don't get to name it. This is something that is determined by the International Astronomical Union or the IAU. Um, but on top of that, if it is a type of distinct shape where it earns a different name, awesome. If not, it ends up just getting a catalog name of um, either NGC and then some number or IC and then some number. NGC stands for New General Catalog. As I mentioned earlier, it was put together in the year 1888 by the Danish astronomer Johann Ludwig Emil Dreyer. And uh, he actually had based his initial work on the Herschel family, um, which you guys have, might have heard of the name Caroline Herschel before, uh, or Henry, uh, oh, actually, was it Henry Herschel? William Herschel, excuse me. William Herschel. Uh, very famous comet hunters. Uh, at a coincidence, or not, but they were comet hunters, and so was Charles Messier. And um, what ended up happening is while they were looking for comets, you tend to come across other things in space, like these galaxies. Um, and I, I love mentioning this. So I'm just going to mention it again. I've said it in other po- pod- podcast episodes. But the tra- the Messier catalog originally was given the nickname of Objects to Avoid. This is the whole point of the catalog. This was the whole point of the catalog for Charles Messier. He didn't want to find these other objects that can be distractions to him when he's trying to find comets. So I know I've mentioned that before. Oh, and it looks like I just got a couple new listeners. Hello, Hector. Hello, Mario. Hope you're doing well. Um, I'm, I just shared a little bit on the Messier catalog. We um, already went over the fact that um, objects, if they new galaxies that may be discovered, um, would not be able to be named by the discoverer. They get named by the International Astronomical Union. If they have a distinct shape that looks like something fun, like the Whirlpool Galaxy, as an example, um, or other galaxies, 
uh, barred spiral galaxies are a classification. But the point is, um, they would either get that name and have that as a, as a secondary name. Otherwise, if they don't get some kind of cool name like that from the IAU, they end up getting a new general catalog classification. And it starts with NGC. You guys probably, if you've ever listened to an episode where I talk about what's in the night sky and we find a deep sky object and I say NGC, that stands for New General Catalog. It was a catalog put together in 1888. Um, Already mentioned all this, so I'm not going to repeat it, but there's that option. So it'll either follow the numerical sequence of whatever was the previous object that was discovered for the catalog. It would then get the next number. So if there was NGC 4975, the next one would be NGC 4976. There's another catalog, though, which is the index catalog, IC. You might have also seen this if you ever uh, read in any astronomy magazines or you are possibly uh, using Sky Telescope's website and you're looking for new objects to basically observe with your telescope. You might have seen IC. And this was um, the second catalog that was put together by the same Danish astronomer, Johann Ludwig Emil Dreyer. I'll just say Dreyer for now. He included 7,840 celestial objects, and he ended up reaching about 13,000 by the end of it. So this was then published in uh, 19, sorry, 1895 and then published a second time when he added more of the objects in 1908. So now we've got like a pretty big gap of time from the Charles Messier catalog published in 1774. Then you have the new general catalog, 1888, and then the index catalogs, which is 1908. So this is something that, um, you know, is, yeah, again, these are objects that you'll probably end up noticing um, the the name of these acronyms. Um, and just keep in mind, those, those just belong to different catalogs. There are other catalogs as well that will sometimes, so one, one galaxy can have several names. Um, as I mentioned, Andromeda, you also have the Whirlpool Galaxy, have um, the catalog name of M51. Uh, it also can end up having N, like NGC, so... Andromeda is known as NGC 224, but it's also M31. That's because it's in both catalogs. There also are uh, some catalogs that are also looking at different wavelengths like X-ray and even gamma rays because some of these galaxies, um, you'll be able to really notice that depending on how old it is, depending on how active its interior, its nucleus is, active galactic nuclei noticing if there's any gamma ray bursts that are being emitted from it. Um, and so because of this, if it can be seen in these other wavelengths, there are separate catalogs for that too, to classify these names. So this is pretty funny. And just to keep in mind, um, unlike how you have comets and planets uh, that are pretty straightforward with their names, you know, you've got comet Neowise, and then you have like planet Venus. You don't really have secondary names for them unless it's in another language. Galaxies are a lot more complicated. So are nebulae. We'll get into nebulae in a future episode um, or nebulas, however you want to say it, um, more than one nebula. They also tend to have several names, not just like Horsehead Nebula, but also the name of whatever catalog it also resides in, depending on when it was discovered, what year it was discovered in. That always makes a really big difference. 
So um, that is close to about everything I was going to mention. I'm going to do a very short music break, and then we're going to hop back in it. And then I will also open up the call to any of my listeners who might want to join and maybe ask a question. more things I wanted to mention before I open up this call to everyone. Um, another name that sometimes galaxies will end up getting, um, and I mean like a sort of more household name rather than a, an alphanumerical title, is uh, depending on where um, the galaxy is visible. So sometimes if it's visible within a constellation, the um, galaxy can also end up adapting a name of that constellation as well. Uh, but do keep in mind, you know, you're not going to have like Aquarius 1, Aquarius 2, Aquarius 3. So usually it would just be one galaxy uh, that, that would end up taking the name of the constellation. And that's that that'll usually be it. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention as well is uh, as I just said previously, there are different catalogs that exist depending on the wavelength, depending on other factors as well. And this is something that evolves with our technology. With our telescopes, as they get better and better, we're able to see um, a lot further into our universe. We're able to see in different wavelengths. And this ended up resulting in totally different catalogs as well. So um, one of the other things I want to mention about a new general catalog is when this was being put together in 1888 by astronomer Dreyer, so this guy I mentioned earlier, uh, Johann Ludwig Emil Dreyer, trying to get his last name right, what he ended up doing was he composed the numbers, the NGC numbers for the objects moving from west to east across the sky. And for this reason, he did it so that the, all the objects in the same area of the sky have similar NGC numbers. So that's pretty nice. That's a really nice thing to keep in mind because I, I don't know about you guys whenever you've like maybe done any stargazing, but if you've noticed that when you're even, oh my gosh, I'll like rewind to a couple weeks ago. Let me go to my weekly transmission real quick. Um, there were like two to three star clusters all visible within a day apart and they all had the same catalog name like name and number but the number was off by like one digit and this is really great <laughs> this is a super convenient thing for stargazers um let's see here we go so this one from the third week of january you had two days apart the same area of the sky you had this within the same constellation you had ngc 2516 and 2547. Um, So those are are a little bit further off from each other. There's better examples than that. But um, those were a couple that I could just grab off the top of my head trying to look at the old um, transmissions. But regardless, if you guys receive the transmission, you already know that. 
So that's just a really nice convenient thing as far as uh, that catalog goes. So the NGC catalog is a lot or just NGC is a lot more, um, I would say, preferred and almost reliable uh, for just being able to locate where these objects are when you're just starting out in the field of like astronomy. If you're starting to just do stargazing for the first time or you're an amateur astronomer, backyard astronomer, uh, this is a really uh, good thing to sort of follow for your first step is to follow the NGC names. This way you can at least sort of organize which direction to be looking. And let's see. Um, That was, yeah, that was about everything. So I have a little brief thing down here. One more time, I just want to mention about the different types of... um, catalogs, a lot of times those would be based on ground-based observatories. So you have um, some observatories uh, such as, let's see, the Markarian catalog. Uh, It specifically lists galaxies with bright ultraviolet emission. And that one is typically teamed up with, let's see, we've got ESA, European Southern Observatory, the Uppsala General Catalog uh, from the Palomar Observatory. And then you have the orbiting observatories like the Infrared Astronomical Satellite. Um, and that, so those are a few other names of those different catalogs. We've got Markarian. We've got the Uppsala, U-P-P-S-A-L-A General Catalog. And then, yep, we've just got those two that I found. So um, that is that. And I'm going to go ahead and open up this to my callers if anyone wants to join. Edit room. All right. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to hit that call in button. Um, I would love to chat with you. And let's see. I've got one more note. The numbers following the letter may indicate either the order of, of the, in, within the list or location that the galaxy is in the sky. So kind of like what I was saying earlier, um, when you're looking at different objects, say you pull up a list on one of your stargazing apps and it has all the different objects, or if you're using a digital telescope and it has all the objects listed, um, try to look for ones that you know are within the southern sky as an example if you know that you're facing south and you have a clear sky, you, you don't have an obstructed view, you don't have trees or buildings blocking you, um, try to look for which ones are visible in the southern hemisphere, pull up all those catalog names, um, and then you're good. Also, southern horizon, excuse me, not hemisphere, um, unless, unless, of course, you are in the southern hemisphere. Um, so, yep, yeah, once again, if you want to call in or anything, no pressure at all. Definitely don't have to, but don't ever feel like you're interrupting me. Um, all future episodes, I will make sure to also leave it open throughout the entire call. So if you ever want to join in, maybe something I say sort of, I don't know, sparks an interest or makes you think of something you want to share, I would love to hear from you. Um, I would much prefer a dialogue than, than a monologue. So anytime you guys want to call in, that'd be great. Um, other than that, we have, let's see. I've got two upcoming guests. I haven't scheduled those just yet. Um, And then tomorrow we have historical figures. I put that as TBD. Um, I am deciding right now on between two different historical figures. I'm not sure which one I want to choose just yet. So we've got them to look forward to. And let's see, by the way, thank you for joining Patreon, Hector. I did see that right now. Actually, I just headed to my... um, my email to pull up my transmission. So thank you for that. Awesome. We have got two patrons in the house. 
Awesome. Awesome. So, um, let me pull up my transmission real quick just to make sure there was nothing else I wanted to share or include. If anyone happened to be in a location where you're not having a snowstorm and you were able to catch the return of Comet 19P, let me know. I'd love to hear about that. Um, I was not able to catch it, unfortunately. It, there just has been, it's been icy rain out here. So um, not the most appropriate conditions for stargazing. All right. Well, um, it, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and do a quick music break. And then I have one more short, small thing to share with you all. Alrighty, in the home stretch now. Um, the last thing I want to share with you all was something I have not mentioned yet um, on this podcast, and it's a really great tool if you don't know about it already. Um, go to apod.nasa.gov. That's A-P-O-D. This, st- this stands for Astronomy Picture of the Day. Um, I was first told about this when I was in college. Um, I was not in high school. I was in college. I was doing my undergraduate research at the Hayden Planetarium in New York. And my professor at the time had given us all an assignment for every Friday to find um, something new and interesting we liked. Either it was on APOD or another site. And we'd give a presentation. It was basically to get us all prepared for whenever we had to do like poster presentations, stage talks, etc. And... I ended up finding this website uh, because of this professor, and it is such a great website. If you go to APOD right now, if you have your computer in front of you, um, I want to chat a little bit about the astronomy picture of the day. It's something I I think I want to start including now into our like weekly series because it's such a fun thing. I mean, if you go to it right now, the photo looks absolutely bananas. It looks like a painting. Uh, the title of it is The Galactic Center in Radio from Meerkat. And what's really cool about this is it is this it's showing this um, really interactive center core of our galaxy, right where we have the Sagittarius A supermassive black hole and all the activity happening around it. Um, and in case you weren't aware about the Meerkat Array, if you just read the description here, it gives a little brief on that. Um, it's 64 radio dishes in South Africa. And so this is a really uh, cool, cool image. I think that there's a lot of great things probably. I bet if I click on Meerkat Array, it's going to bring a bunch of different photos of it. And let's see. Okay. It brought me to the website, which then ugh, it's just so cool. It shows all these different, um, all these different images, uh, that are taken. Definitely spent some time exploring that. I think that would be really cool. Um, but what I think is most interesting about this photo. So when you scroll over it with your mouse, it'll display different names like Sagittarius B1, Sagittarius B2, ARC, Sagittarius C. So let's explore this in the caption and see what 
these things are. So it looks like we have, um, let's see, let's see, let's read. In our galaxy's center lies Sagittarius A, found here in the image center, which houses the Milky Way's central supermassive black hole. Other sources in the image are not well, not as well, not as well understood, including the arc. Just to the left is is filled with numerous fil- filamentary threads. <laughs> it's so funny trying to like read right on the spot. I'm curious about the arc. So I'm going to click on that. And if you click on that, you end up getting another image, which was taken in 2002, or that's when it was uploaded, May 21st. This is the Galactic Center Radio Arc. Now, this is this is kind of cool. I am learning with you guys. I was not aware of what this arc is. It says, what causes this unusual structure near the center of our galaxy? The long parallel rays slanting across from the top of the above radio image are known collectively as the galactic center radio arc and just straight out from the galactic plane. So that plane is the area that goes, we can picture it horizontally, but in space, there really isn't any orientation. So it could be going vertically and we're laying sideways when we're looking at it, but it's, it's, um, as if you're picturing sort of this flat plane disc, this like flat disc, and the center is the bulge. So that's that supermassive black hole. That's all of the matter that is accreting near it, causing it to bulge in, in a sphere-like. Um, and then you have this galactic plane. So you have this sort of thin disc that then extends outward as a bar shape, which is why it's called a barred spiral galaxy. And it'll then extend into the spiral arms. So this says that the radio arc is connected to the gal- galactic center by strange curving filaments known as the arches. The bright radio structure at the bottom right likely surrounds a black hole at the galactic center, which, which, which we all know about as Sagittarius A, or maybe we don't know about it, but that is um, what is understood to be the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. One origin hypothesis holds that the radio arc and the arc arches have their geometry because they contain hot plasma flowing along lines of constant magnetic field. Recent images of the Chandra X-ray Observatory appear to show this plasma colliding with a nearby cloud of cold dust, cold gas. So that's super cool. So this is most likely, this is one of the proposed hypotheses. It's hot plasma flowing along the lines of con- of a constant magnetic field. And so that's that's really cool. So you have all this charged energy, all this, these charged particles. You have this magnetic field line that is probably, I guess, I'm guessing, interacting and intersecting with all of these other hot gaseous uh, matter and probably other stars and other black holes, as it mentioned, now a gate interacting with this. So I think that's really, really rad. So if we go to the original picture, you could see all these different proposed black holes of where they're located. Um, I guess necessarily it's not proposed because it is, um, yeah, this, this is, yeah, this is a really cool radio image. This is awesome. Um, so yeah, I think we should explore this sometime in the future, all these black holes, because I want to actually learn about S and R. Let's see about that. I'm going to look that up really quick because I'm not too familiar with that one is G359. And then we will learn this together. 
So it is molecular. It's a molecular gas cloud. So okay, so this is probably some kind of nebula. See now we got another catalog. SNR. What in the world is that? Well, we're talking about galaxies, thankfully today. So like this was not listed on our supernova remnant. Of course, of course, of course, of course. It even looks like a supernova remnant. Um, so if you're not looking at the image, I'm sorry <laughs> that I'm going on this tangent. Um, but if you are looking at the image, it, it's pretty. Um, obvious, I would say now that you can see it's a supernova remnant. It's huge. The one on the bottom right, uh, which is G359.1-0.5. Whereas on the top left, you have SNRG 0.9 plus 0.1. And so you can really see a big difference in the sizes. That's really cool. So I can only imagine, I mean, a supernova happening. I, I bet they happen quite frequently around this area of this center of the galaxy because you just have so much activity, so many things. I mean, you have a huge streak of plasma. You have all these black holes, which have a really powerful gravitational effect on everything around it. So yeah, probably lots of explosions, aka supernovas are happening. All right. Well, that is about everything. Uh, we will make sure, I will make sure to include a pod, um, Maybe on every episode, actually. I mean, there is a new picture every day. So maybe I'll do that. But until then, I hope you all learned a little bit something from this today's episode. Hope you get to go outside if it's not totally icy snowy by you and look up at the night sky. So hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Make sure to always look up at the stars and add Astra.